I'm always excited when this happens because God's up to something. <laughs> no worries. Makes me feel at home, you know. It happens in our house too. Uh, I, I have a history here that is wonderful to me. Uh, when I was first learning, um, just cutting my teeth, got born again when I was a senior at the University of Idaho and just met what is now my wife of 40-some years. Um, I came in contact with a group of men, one of which was um, Everett Roberts, and learned how to study, read the Bible, seek God through the, the Spirit of God that had just touched my heart and life. And so whenever I come here, I feel honored to be here and kind of takes me down memory lane a little bit because a, a lot of my roots go back to this place. And it's so good to see all that God's done. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on the amazing job on the outside of your church. I drove up. Uh, I had come about four years ago when you were in the middle of it. And uh, it's just beautiful walking into the foyer and uh, seeing everything God has done. And, and trust me, I've, I, we just completed our third building project. Um, and I have great appreciation for people that not only endure that but make it happen. And so kudos to all of you. Uh, it's great. I'm from Walla Walla, Washington. By the way, the town's so nice they named it two times. And uh, it's actually... It's actually Nez Perce for many waters. I feel, I, I feel like when I scratch my dog, you know, and he, she thumps. How about there? Choose. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, here's what I know about this church. Uh, I just was meditating on this last night, praying about today. And uh, I know that this church has enough Bible in it to feed the next generation. I know that there's enough word in you, really, that you could probably move any mountain you wanted to off people. And so when you ordain a prayer pastors, a pastoral team, I feel like the synergy of heaven is about to be released through you in a powerful way. I know that this church has enough kingdom revelation that you'll take what God gives you and you'll take it every, into every mountain of influence in society. You'll take it into education. You'll take it into medicine. You'll take it into politics and government. You'll take it into the church itself. And those people that have been trained in the spirit will be able to influence for the kingdom of God the place that they're in. Their sphere will be changed uh, by God. I feel, I feel strongly that that's what's going to happen. And um, so be encouraged today. I have a great word for you, but I, I want, first things first, I want to introduce my best friend and wife, Teresa. Stand up, babe. This is the beautiful half. I married her when she was two. And uh, Teresa's funny. She's at, really at home now. Whenever I cross the river with Teresa, the Snake River going into Idaho, Teresa's from St. Mary's. And so I crossed the Snake River, and I knew it was coming. I was just smiling on the inside because I knew it was coming. I crossed the Snake River, and she goes, do you smell how much fresher the air is over here? Do you notice how all the people on this side of the river are actually friendly? And I thought, oh, brother, here we go again. So she's your Idahomey, that's for sure. That's for sure. So I sensed this morning this, and... Uh, I really believe this. I believe that this is the sense of the spirit that I get 
in my heart. I sense this morning that God is going to spice up your lives as a church with a holy boldness. I, I think it was no coincidence that you commissioned a prayer ministry because I think God is commissioning you as a congregation to touch, to speak to, to influence for Jesus, people that are in your sphere. And so be sensitive this morning to the Spirit's voice, will you? Um, I, I felt like God was going to make you in your daily walk, maybe as early as this afternoon or Monday. He's going to whisper things to you when you just go about your daily life. And if you're sensitive to the Spirit's voice, you're going to be able to release words of life onto a store clerk, a barista somewhere, somebody who's waiting to get into their class at school. You're going to be able to make a deposit in them that actually changes their life because there's more to you that meets the eye. Even when you feel down, there's more to you that meets the eye. There's a part of you that isn't moved by your emotions. There's a part of you that's solid because Christ is in your heart. There's part of you that's anchored even when you feel untethered and loose that you're going to be able to give to the world. But you have to be sensitive. You have to feel that little nod from God. And, and as you learn to be that, I think it's coming with this commissioning, you're going to be able to change the atmosphere around you. And, and we, Jesus taught us to pray that way. He says, pray that heaven will come to earth. Pray that my will is that heaven comes to earth before you get to heaven. And that you're an agent, a, a carrier of it. That you're the adjuvant in the vaccine. That's the liquid that carries the thing that actually immunizes people. The Holy Spirit's an amazing adjuvant. He carries life into the society that we live. That's you that he's commissioning as a congregation. I really believe that with my heart. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, when it all goes south? If, if, you're, if you're not, and I probably date myself this way because I heard it from my dad, here's what it means. It, it means when you're having one of those days, when things go haywire, uh, they go bad. Have you ever noticed when your appliance goes out, never one appliance goes out? Three appliances go out. Have you ever noticed when you're behind, you get behind her? New vocabulary with me. Something else comes. Something else is added to your to-do your to list. It's, it's, my dad would always say that. He'd be out working in the garage. He'd be under the truck, and you'd hear him hit a knuckle, and you'd hear a little voice. Something else would happen. You'd hear a little louder voice. He'd come in, and there'd be grease on his hands, and somebody would say, how'd it go, Pops? And he'd say, well, it all went south. It all went south. And I don't think he had anything against people in the south. It's just an expression. Things seem to go from bad to worse sometimes. But here's what I know. We, we've all had those days, good Christians like you and me. We, we have the same bad days that the rest of the world has. It's just that we're able to get through them. But I'm here with a word this morning to show you from the scripture. Now, here's, here's the way I roll so you understand this. A lot of times... I'll pick a scripture based on prophetic intent. And, and that's a fancy way of saying, I think God is saying something to you through the words that we're reading in the scripture itself. 
So I want you to think past just the story that we're about to read, and I want you to put yourself in the story. I want you to pretend that you're in the first, first century church. Babe, would you grab me some water there? That ever-ready bunny is running through my mouth. I want you to put yourself in the place of the first century church and, uh, and think about that as we go along. Let me give you an example, a personal example years ago. Many years ago, uh, God put me in a place where I could help orphaned, abused, and neglected children in a large ranch for kids at the same time I was planning a church in central Washington. It was an amazing time in my life. There were kids that came to us, kids that were unwanted, kids that had been orphaned, and uh, we had 4,400 acres, and uh, we, we built homes, and we had up to 60 kids that we took care of. Mom and dad in each room, or in each room, uh, we needed a mom and dad in each room, but there was a mom and dad in each house, up to 10 kids in a house, and they basically adopted them until they graduated from Connell High School. And um, we did a lot of things. We were bivocational. We preached two or three times a week. We fed 650 head of cattle, and we fed 60 kids with the cattle that we raised. And uh, how many of you know that was a young man's game? I don't do that anymore. Uh, but it was a wonderful time. God did these miracles in kids' lives, and, and we still hear. Teresa and I bumped into one of the ladies that was there, just a little red-haired girl, just a pistol when we met her. I mean... She, bless her heart, she had all kinds of dysfunction. And we walked up to a, a church up in, right next to North Idaho in the Spokane Valley, and we came into the church, and here's this lady with three sons and a husband who'd been married for 20-some years that was that little red-haired girl that came to us that nobody wanted. Jesus has a way of paying you back. It doesn't have anything to do with money. When you see those kids, you see what God did. You, you see what happened in their life. You're grateful for that. And one of the things that we did that we had to do was we raised a lot of cattle. And, and my family raised cattle in the Kittitas Valley for years. So I knew a little something about it. Had to learn a lot about it when I came. And there was one day in, in the first winter I was there. I was going down onto what, what we call the range and go, go way down a hill. And there's this little bench with a gate in it. And I would take the hay on the back of the pickup truck down and I would feed the bulls that were in the pasture because we kept them separate. And I, there was a little ledge there. And every time I go through the gate, I'd just park the pickup right there, leave it running, and I'd open the gate. I did that this time. And it was a beautiful snowy day. There was about six inches of snow on the ground, just crystal clear powder, about 15 degrees. Uh, I love to be outside. I know I'm part polar bear, but I, I love it. And I opened the gate, and as I got over here with the gate, lifted it up, and I ready to throw the chain over a post to catch it, I hear the snow crunch. And I turn around to see the pickup truck rolling over the hill and going down with two tons of hay on it. And I tried to get to the door to open the door to jump inside to hit the brake, and I couldn't, I couldn't make it. I slipped. I couldn't make it. And I knew better than to dive under the back tire. <laughs> and I just sat there and watched it go down the hill, down, quicker, faster, farther, till finally it hit a little uprise like this, launched itself and planted itself 
bumper first, upside down, the haze flying everywhere. There's nothing but steam coming out of it. Cracked the entire frame of the pickup truck. How many of you know everything went south that day? <laughs> and I had to tell my board what happened to their pickup truck. I was terrified. And they'd hired me, you know, and, and I'm sure they probably didn't know me completely yet. And I had to sit around and tell these good but crusty old farmers what happened to the pickup truck. And I was terrified. I was praying, man, I prayed like I never prayed before. And so I told them the story. And all of a sudden, they looked at me and they broke out laughing. And one of them said, that's nothing. Remember the time when, and he started telling this story about him. And then another farmer says, yeah, and here's where I drove the tractor off into the canal. We never did get it out for two weeks. And they each had a story when something went south. And I was comforted somewhat to know that it happened to other people. And also thankful to God for letting me retain my job. But things happen in life when everything goes south. We don't count on it, and yet God uses it. I, I read this in, a, this is an actual story that happened in Texas. And the, uh, the headline of the caption of the Waco newspaper said this, don't touch my brisket. True story. Randall Lance Hughes, 48, was tased by the Waco police after drawing a knife. When the taser had no effect, the Waco police department wrote in a Facebook post, our Officers were forced to discharge their weapon in defense of their lives. What was so important that Mr. Lance was willing to face down the police? Unless you happen to be a Texan, the answer might seem a bit strange to you. He was stealing a brisket. With a rising price of meat, a black market for brisket has emerged in Texas. Thefts have been reported in 19 HEB food stores, and thieves are selling the stolen briskets to local barbecue vendors. One blogger from Waco wrote in response to the police incident, to all you out-of-state invaders, sounds like a Texan, doesn't it? This is Texas where we take our brisket seriously. Stealing it is akin to stealing cattle. I propose a law to make barbecue theft punishable by public hanging. Of course, it should be at 1 p.m. after a barbecue plate lunch is provided to the crowd. I don't know about you, but if things go south, I want them to go south for a higher purpose than a brisket. I, I, I want to know that if I encounter difficulty, somehow that scripture is too true. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to to his purpose. And I want you to capture that because I believe with all my heart, God wants to show you how he's going to turn this around for you. How many of you have a compass or a GPS at home or somewhere, maybe in your car? Uh, there are a couple things about a compass that is very useful. First of all, when you get lost, which I do frequently when I'm in the woods hunting whitetail, it tell you, tells you which way is true north. So when you get turned around, you can hold your compass. You thought you were traveling east. It was foggy. Maybe you couldn't see the sun. But you realize, no, 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 no. I'm not traveling east. I'm traveling south. I need to adjust myself to get back over here. The way we know that is true north is our reference point. 
I like to think in life, Christ is our true north. Christ is the head of our compass. Christ is the one that determines we break through whatever it is that we're going through. And I have some great news for you today. No matter what you're going through, Christ is here to make sure that you break through and there's some sort of turnaround going in your life. I know what it's like to be discouraged and depressed. I know what it's like to think that the turnaround doesn't seem like it's ever going to get there. But I want you to know it will get there because Jesus is exactly who he said he was. You can count on him like that N on your compass. You can count on him. He will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It's so true. And so if you can relate, if it's ever gone south on you, I've got some great news for you today. Know this. God speaks from the heart. And he communicates. And what he communicates is always from the heart. It's not so with us. We have these filters in our humanity. We have pain that filters what we hear. We have discouragement, don't we, that filters what we hear. But God speaks straight from the heart. We protect ourselves when we speak. We're careful sometimes when we speak because our pain and the things we've been through in life alter our speech just a little bit. But the thing I love about Jesus is when he speaks, he speaks from the right side of the cross. It's pure. It's perfect. There's never a lie in it. There's never a syllable that's wrong in it. He comes at us. And I'm praying that this scripture comes through to you loud and clear this morning. So let me set up the scripture. Can I, it's, it's going to be from Acts 8. But let me tell you what's happening because if you don't catch this, you'll miss what's actually going on in the scripture that we're going to read. The gospel is taking off after Pentecost and is spreading like a wildfire in the New Testament church. A waiter named Stephen is falsely accused by lying witnesses of blasphemy. And he appears before a religious council and he's asked the question, are these accusations true? They were given Stephen an out. He, he could have lied about the Lord. He could have denied the Lord. But check this out. This waiter, this ordinary man, takes the dangerous opportunity to try to reach them by preaching the gospel to all of them, which, by the way, was an angry mob. For 60 verses, he declares the gospel. And he ends up by saying, this Jesus whom you crucified. I don't know about you, but that's a guy I'd like to roll with. There's a guy who so had Jesus inside of him so was moved by what God had done in him that even though a waiter who was in charge of the food program, he declares the gospel with the fire of the best preacher you and I have ever heard. And they stone him for it. And as they stone him, he asked them to forgive him. Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. How many of you know when that happened? And you know what I love about this story? Right before he passed and went into eternity, the Bible says he declared, he saw heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now that's significant because of this. Whenever you approach a bench in a court of law and they're ready to read the verdict to you, 
your advocate, your attorney, stands up. And he steps in front of you to take the words of the judge on your behalf. As far as I know, Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. But when his son started proclaiming his name, when his son started telling the truth, when everything had gone south in Stephen's life, he took it as an opportunity to say who God was and why he was here in the first place. And when he did, I believe with all my heart, I'll know when I get to heaven for sure. But Jesus stood up on his behalf. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to know, Jesus will stand up for you. He's your advocate. He's your attorney. Right? Johnny Cochran can't compare. He's amazing, God is. He got us all off the hook because we were all sinners. We were all sinners. If you're investigating the claims of Jesus, I can tell you they're true. And there's not one heir in this king that we serve. Are you tracking with me? That's the story. But now listen to, listen to me. It went south for Stephen But that's not all it seemed to go south. Let's pick this up in Acts 8. Can we do that? We're going to read quite a bit of scripture here. I'll read through it without beginning to preach it. But I want you to notice some things. So I'll have you repeat some things as we go. In Acts 8, 1 through 6, Saul was one of these witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. This is Saul who's going to become the Apostle Paul. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. That's things going south again, isn't it? It didn't back up. It seemed to go farther south, didn't it? But check out what happens. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Think refugees with their belongings walking out of Jerusalem to find a place to live with their babies behind them. You have to set yourself in the text. That's what happened. Because they were afraid that Paul was going to get them. Paul was going to, Saul now, but he would drag them out, men, women, and children, and want to throw them in prison. So they began to leave. That's headed farther south. But check this out, verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They're refugees, but they're still preaching the good news about Jesus. They're reaching even though they're shattered on the inside. Philip, for example, this is another waiter, the second one listed under Stephen in the book of Acts. Not the apostle, but the evangelist. He went to Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened to Philip because they were eager to hear his message. Well, to paraphrase the space here now, Peter and John hear that believers or converts are happening in Samaria. They go up, lay hands on the converts in Samaria, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the church in Jerusalem. All the people are headed south, but God's still true north. All the people's lives seem like it's gone to you know where. But God is spreading his word, spreading his church. It looks really bad. It probably feels horrible on the inside, but they haven't lost their boldness. They're still reaching. Oh, we could learn something from these people. Our faith is built on these people. These are our roots. It's amazing to me. Verse 26, as for Philip, 
he has a conversation with an angel of the Lord. And the Lord said to him, go south. Everybody say south. south. Go south down the desert road. That's when you know it's south. That runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Check this out now. Philip ran. Say ran. ran. He was asked to walk, but he ran over to meet the carriage. Tells you something about the lion heart that this Philip had. All of Jerusalem is being scattered. People are being persecuted, dragging them out. One of his best friends that he worked with in the food program for the Hellenistic widows has just been killed and martyred. And he runs to meet this chariot. He runs to meet it. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what, are you, what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless somebody instructs me? How can I unless somebody instructs me? How can I unless somebody from Legacy Church talks about Jesus to me? How can I know what all this church stuff means unless somebody from Legacy Church shares some of that good news boldly with me about how it changed? Every one of you has a story. Every one of you has a company inside that's going north Jesus. Every one of you has direction to give to somebody who's lost theirs. I believe it with all my heart. You have deep roots because you're going to produce much fruit. Your roots go way back because you've been able to endure times like this and still bring the good news out. And he urged Philip to come up into the chariot, carriage, and sit with him. The passage he had been reading was this. He was reading not a story about the resurrection of Jesus, but a story when things went south for Jesus. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb was silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? And he says this, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He sees some water and says, can I be baptized? And they get down. He baptizes him in the water. And here's what it says in verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. No plane ticket. No bus fare, no walking, no donkey, no camel. He was literally translated, and I looked it up, 32 miles to the north. Instantly. That's my kind of mass transit right there. The eunuch never saw him again, but went in on his way rejoicing. He didn't care. He was born again. He said, that was a nice guy, but Jesus, I'm in love with you. I don't know where he went, but I know where you are now. You're right inside of me. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. There's some takeaways from this story that I want you to get. 
And uh, I, I want you to understand them because this happens to us in life, doesn't it? Things don't go the direction. You can't map God out. Let me put it this way. The straightest distance between two points in the kingdom of God is never a straight line. Okay? Never a straight line. You, you students of geometry, trust me. You, you got to throw the geometry out the window. God, God made all the sciences. He created all the scholastic endeavors, by the way. It was God that did all of that. But you can throw some of them out when it comes to Jesus because his word defies the science that we study. It defies it. He can adjust it. He can stop the sun if he wants to. <laughs> he can walk on water if he wants to. He can walk through a door to visit scared disciples who've locked the door because they're afraid of being drug out. He just appears, poof, and says, peace, peace. Number one, these are the takeaways. Y'all have a, if you have a GPS, you have a thing called a waypoint. That's like a takeaway. You need to mark it. It's, I call them mile markers. So when I get in the woods, a ways, I'll, I'll see a, a funky-looking tree stump that got broke in the wind or something, and I'll mark that waypoint. And uh, it gets foggy. I can find my way back. I see the top of that funky stump, and I look at my GPS, and it sends me right back to that place. I always mark my pickup truck when I get out to go hunting. I mark it so that I can get back to it. And trust me, I need to do that because I can get turned around in woods that look the same. These things are waypoints in your life. You can mark them and go back to them and they will work for you to get you through this thing we call life in a positive way. Number one, takeaway. Obedience introduces our opportunity. Obedience is what separates the ordinary folks we all are from the men and women of God he wants us to be. He's leading us to be. Come on, we, you're, you're a people of faith. But like these people, we get shattered and we get scattered, don't we? And, and, and we, sometimes we feel like everything went south on us. And it did. But that doesn't mean true north is moved. The one who's true north isn't moving. And, and so when he says, go, here's what it says about Philip. So he started out. Now, this is incredible to me because when Philip's in Jerusalem, there's a tremendous revival and outpouring of the Spirit. The persecution starts. He goes to Samaria. There's a tremendous outpouring of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Miracles. A, a sorcerer named Simon's dealt with. And there's all kinds of stuff happening. And, and yet, when the Spirit told him, I want you to go south along the desert road, we don't hear any conversation between him and God like I would have had. I, I, I'm sorry, but this man of faith probably would have said something like, uh, Lord, the revival's over there. The awakening's over there. But that's not what God said. Sometimes in your life, to get what God wants through you, he has to send you to a place you never wanted to go. And the key to the opportunities of fruitfulness in your life are to start out. The first step is the hard step. Come on, it's like exercise. Trust me, I'm, I'm an ad right now, right? 
right after the holidays. I had 20 to lose going into the holidays, and I'm above that now. I got to lose. I got to lose. The first step is the one that puts you out of bed, putting your sneakers on, taking your walk to the gym, and getting it done. It's the same in life. The first step is the hard step, but he started out. Without Philip's obedience, this Ethiopian is going to go home hungry in his soul. You know that this was the first preacher in Ethiopia. He preached the gospel. A wounded man. A man, uh, there was a law in Israel that anybody with damaged genitals couldn't enter the presence of the Lord. The inside court. God picks him. Says, I got just the dude to show the world who I'm going to call. And he takes that, that man that was wounded and he puts him in place of a one obedient man, one obedient waiter, one obedient Greek-speaking waiter. He wasn't even a native Hebrew. He was a Greek convert to Judaism, and now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's who he sends. Who meets a damaged man, an important man, a man who has more influence than you could ever imagine, but a man that was stopped short of getting what God wanted him to get. And because he's obedient, he has influence. Come on, your voice, the Christ in you, the Bible in you, the kingdom in you is going to make a difference in your sphere of influence. And whether you had a good day or a bad day, you're still who God said you were. You're his daughter, you're his son, you're, you're one of his, uh, the apple of his eye. Jesus would have died for you if you were the only one on planet earth. He would have gone to the cross for you. In fact, I'll say it this way. You're God's favorite. You're his favorite. Somebody thinking, oh, that's impossible. Not with God. God treats me like his favorite all the time. Here's the amazing thing. He treats Ralph like he's his favorite all the time. He, he, he treats Lori like she's his only daughter all the time. And he wants you to get that revelation. He wants you to get that revelation. Why? Because it's easier for me to obey when I know I have a father and a king that good and that great. Are you tracking with me okay? All right. He started out. Folks, God sends us south. God sends us south. You got to stop and ask yourself sometimes when things fall apart, What's really happening? Come on, we're Western Christians. We, we've been fed, uh, a, I believe in a prosperity spirit, by the way. But God still has veto power to send you south on purpose to fulfill his mission. There's a part of us that doesn't have to do with getting everything we want. It has to do with doing everything he asks. Obedience introduces your opportunity. Here's what I do when I, uh, I go through a long dry spell of feeling like I'm not being effective. I get in the presence of the Lord, I worship him, and I say, Lord, what didn't I do that you asked me to do? And I wish I could say that he would say, oh, you did it all. But every time I ask him that question, he usually points something out I didn't do. And if possible, I go back and do it because then suddenly I've got this turnaround in my life. I've got this breakthrough in my life. It sometimes is just little stupid things like go tell Teresa you're sorry that you were such a dunce. 
that you didn't notice that she worked all day on the house. No, God gets that real. God gets that real. And I go and do it, and guess what? I sit down, I feel the presence of the Lord. I start to feel like I broke through. I, I found true north. Because I just asked God. Obedience introduces opportunity. So true, isn't it? Come on, it happens. It's so true. These people learned by the Holy Spirit to obey what God asked them to do. So great. And, and all of these people, Stephen, Philip, five others, Greek-speaking Jews, they didn't whine, but they started out reaching and touching other people. So obedience introduces opportunity. Number two, second waypoint. Ordinary people make the moment and spark the movement. Everybody say ordinary. 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 Jesus set the template for this when he picked his disciples. Jesus picked men we never would have picked. People that had a cussing problem. The sons of thunder had potty mouths. Dock workers, four of them were dock workers. As many as seven were fishermen, dock workers. All of them would have flunked out of the rabbinical school. All of them. One of them, Simon the Zealot, was part of a radical religious sect that were known for their curved knives that were about this long that they used to assassinate tax gatherers with. I have a hunch God put Simon the Zealot with Matthew the tax gatherer. <laughs> Who would put together a team like that? Jesus. Jesus. And one would betray him. And he still treated him with love and respect. Nobody would have even hired Jesus to be a CEO because his method was higher, bigger, better, farther. His method in what he did was telling us something. Ordinary people, ordinary people make the difference. They make the moment. They spark the movement. Listen, you're all been, you've all been given a ministry. A couple as a matter of fact, you've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. And you've all been graced with the power to intercede. To stand between things that should be but are not. And to pray until God pulls them together. You've all been given a ministry of sacrifice. We hate that in the Western world. But it works like this. You lay down your life across the chasm so people could, the next generation could walk across your faithfulness and get on the other side and reach farther than you ever reached. Right. It's exactly what Jesus did. Cross came down over the Grand Canyon so we could get to the other side when he died. And he gave you that when he lives inside of you. Come on. Ordinary people make the moment. These were waiters. These were waiters. They were Greek-speaking waiters, all seven. They ministered to widows' ladies who also were Greek. And by the way, even though they were Jude Jew Jewish converts to Judaism, they were still discriminated against. They were thought, you're just a little bit lower than me. Abraham wasn't your daddy. I don't know, Zeus, Diana, 
Somebody, you, you had all that stuff, but we had one God. You can just hear it. It was that kind of culture. But the people that had filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a quote from the Bible, and who had common sense were these seven. All right. So obedience introduces opportunity. Ordinary folks make the moment and spark the movement. And last, testing develops devotion. So before every triumph, there's a test. Every triumph, there's a test. There was a huge test here. Stephen had been killed. The persecution had started. Imprisonment was happening everywhere. But these people didn't whine. They reached. They, they felt God inside them. And they, and they reached anyway, despite how they felt. Come on, I'm, I'm coming right into your house now if you felt discouraged and felt like things weren't adjusting. Maybe 2017 was the worst year of your life. I, I, and if things go south, <coughs> I just want you to know this. It may be a setup by God. Sometimes you have to go with south and not resist it. Sometimes you have to listen really close to the Lord because what we go through sometimes is the test that precedes the triumph that God wants to give you. You don't even know if you have faith until it's been tested. It's only when it's tested that we know that we have faith, right? We have to speak faith. We have to talk faith. And we have to reach faith. I wonder what God would do in each of us if we reach one broken person a week. What would happen? <clears throat> Come on, 150 of us. And each one of us just reached one broken person. And I, I, they didn't have to get converted. Conversion happens sometimes over a process. Sometimes we'll, we'll invite somebody, uh, give our card to a barista in a drive through coffee shop. <clears throat> it might be two years, and then we see them in church. But there's a seed in you. There's a peace in you. When we reach, we remember those three things. When we reach, we remember, again, obedience introduces opportunity. Ordinary men and women make the moment and spark the movement. When we reach, we understand testing develops devotion. And this story ends with Philip baptizing the Ethiopian. He obeyed the Lord, just a waiter. He was faithful. When he was told to walk, he ran. He had it in his heart. He had passion in his heart. And the minute he pulls that man up, he's gone. 32 miles north. 32 miles north. It's never a straight line. God will let things go south because he wants to bring you back north. God wants to take you through some things so that you can know a deeper experience with the Lord. God wants to send something through you so he can get something else in you. 
And it's only when you open up the valve of your heart and begin to obey God and understand, I might be an ordinary Joe, but I tell you what, I've got God inside me, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not a, a, a proclamation to go out and do anything you feel like it, thinking God is going to back your plan. It, no, it's, it's I'm going to listen to God, and if he says that this part of my life that looks like it's going haywire is all part of his plan, I'm going to look for people to reach and touch. That's extraordinary faith. That's the kind of faith God is going to reward at legacy, for sure. When things go south and God tells us to go with it, to reach down a desert road, maybe to just one man, it changed Africa for the gospel. One waiter sowed a seed that changed Africa for the gospel. This is the first time that the gospel goes south of the Middle East. God's on the move. God's on the move. I feel like that about Legacy Church. I believe with all my heart, God's on the move. Lord, would you come up and pray? The Lord uses the things that go south in our life to reach others that he died for. He's going to use them to reveal your will and not our pain or brokenness. Can I have the prayer team from Legacy just come up and kind of stand here? Is there a prayer team, guys that pray for people, ministry team? Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. I have this custom at home. Every service, we offer God's free gift of salvation to somebody who's visited. Every service, somebody prays this prayer in their heart. We had 783 people give their heart to Jesus in 2017 who responded to the gospel, who got a Bible. Not all of them got into discipleship groups yet, but I'm only saying that not to talk about our church, but to talk about God's great heart. And here's what I'd like to do first before I pray for those of you who identify with this scripture and want some prayer. If it's you, I want every eye in the place to close. And I want to ask you this question if you're here. Something's pulled on your heart while you're here. First of all, thank you for coming. It took courage to walk into a place maybe you didn't know and be around people that you don't yet understand but something was pulling you. I just want you to know that's the love of God that pulled these people into his presence and touched him. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. And if that's you, I want you to agree with this prayer and say it in your heart to God. And he will answer you and he will come to you, forgive you of your sins and cause you to be born again. So church, those of you that are saved, will you repeat this prayer after me? We're going to pray with our brothers and sisters if they're here seeking and we're going to believe God to touch them this morning. Pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Give me a fresh start in your presence. I want to walk with you. I want to share your love. 
I give you my life. Begin to put me on the road that leads to life and to helping others. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, would you do me a favor? If that was you this morning, I'm not going to identify you or ask you to raise your, your hand, but here's what I would love you to do. Please connect with one of these people or one of the pastors here at Legacy. Tell them what you committed to today, and they'll connect with you. They'll get you started. They'll help you with what you need to know. The day I got saved, I went down into the basement of the church, and I asked the pastor what I needed, and he told me three things. Get all the Bible you can, get all the fellowship you can, and worship and pray to God as much as you can. And it gave me my start a day just like today for you. So thank you for doing it. Give them a hand, will you? All right. For the rest of you, if you, if you need prayer this morning, things have gone south. You want an extra, you want somebody to lay hands on you and want to impart some strength and courage to make sense of where you're at, to behave like Philip behaved. I want to be like Philip. I want to, one of the great things about heaven is I'm going to get to visit with this dude. Just amazing. These ordinary people, ordinary men, ordinary women who will change the world. You're one of them this morning. If you need ministry, come on forward. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Ralph, do you have anything? First, again, we just invite you to come forward if you would like prayer as Lori plays. For God, you are faithful. Mighty God, you are faithful. Mighty God. If there's anyone else who would like prayer, even as we close, the altar remains open for you. There's no limit. We're not in a hurry to go. So we will continue to be here to pray with you. Father, we just thank you for this word in our lives today. For the times, O oh God, when it may seem that the road has taken us a direction we didn't understand. Truly, O oh God, let us hear your voice. Let us sense your presence. Continue, O oh God, to do your work and your will in our lives. And let us understand and see all that you have. Bless this house, Lord God, as we go now this morning. Bless each one. And we thank you again, Lord God. We remain thankful. I encourage you again, if there are still others who need and would like prayer this morning, that you are welcome to come. You are welcome to come. And for the others, we thank you and we bless you. You are dismissed.